Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 Welcome to week five of the Break 80 podcast. Uh, Mike here. Uh, Jeff is still stranded in Florida, living the dream. Uh, so we got Tim and me just just rolling, talking golf again. Hey, Tim, how you doing? Good, good. I think Jeff needed a sponsorship uh, influx down there just to afford the ticket back. He was saying it was something like two grand to get a one-way ticket out of the great state of Florida. Yeah, I was reading something. I think they had some thunderstorm or something, and they got all kinds of people stranded. But I don't know, maybe you got an extra round of golf, and I don't know. The um, only person that I know that's played well in, in thunderstorms was that uh, that priest in Caddyshack. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, this week on the podcast, we're going to um, keep our talking fairly short. Uh, we're going to talk Valero, uh, Texas Open, a little recap. We're going to talk Augusta National Women's Am. And then we're going to get into Masters Talk um, with some picks. And then we have an interview with Kate Smith uh, from Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, who has played at Augusta. She's going to give you some insight um, at the end of the uh, podcast. But we're, And we're going to hold off on the Final Four and our championship of the Minnesota Public Golf Suite 16. We do have a winner. Uh, we'll talk about that next week, though, so we can devote most of our time to Augusta and the Masters, which everybody wants to hear. But first, Valero, Texas Open. Tim, your thoughts? AJ Spawn. I had to yeah. learn a new name. I had to learn a new name this week. And the stagnation, I know I turned it on early afternoon, kind of watched the leaderboard stay right where it was for six, seven holes in a row, it felt like. And had to come back and, and re-watch some of it on, well, on today. We're taping on a Monday. Um, very solid backdoor top 10 for Charles Howell III. I am still impressed because mentally I always put him as the same age as Tiger. <laughs> he looks like he's 28 still, about the same as, as when I remember watching him as, as a kid. And uh, my guy, uh, Gary Woodland, getting the top 10. So one for two, I completely missed some of the other names on the, the board. Uh, a couple were, were definitely a surprise to me, but good to see, good to see Gary, uh, do decently well he kind of just stayed around the same spot as where he started though unfortunately going in and coming out of that final round yeah we'll we'll hit up our picks here in a second for the league but here's this this is crazy to me you know so charles howell the third uh he is 22nd all time on the pga tour money list with three victories he has won more than 41 million dollars in his career which is a sh just a shocking amount of number considering he's won three times, you know, and you know, I, most people wouldn't even know he's on the tour still probably, but he was trying to make his way home to Augusta, but he didn't quite uh, get there this week, but JJ spawn did. So props to him and he wins. You're going to love this, Tim. Tim is a Texas fan. He wins a custom pair of cowboy boots 
along with uh, like a million and something dollars. That is the best part. Mike <laughs> knows I bid on Tervis tumblers online a lot and also golf pins and memorabilia. And the Valero Texas Open pin features those cowboy boots and a cactus on the back every year. Yep. Yep. Um, the crazy thing about the round, I, I didn't watch much of it. I was freezing my ass off golfing here at Highland National yesterday. It was snowing. Uh, so that was, a, that was a story in itself. But he doubled one to start and still won at 13 under, going away by a couple shots, which is pretty wild to think about. Quite a, quite a beginning of a round to an end of a round. But um, our picks from last week, let's recap them. We both, we, our, top, our winner had the same exact finish. Uh, Tim picked Jordan Spieth, who was T35. I picked, picked Chris Kirk, T35. We didn't do so hot there. Uh, Tim did pick Gary Woodland in the top 10, which he did, T8. I went with Patton Kazire based on the metrics that I had figured out. That was a fucking epic fail. He missed the cut. Uh, but my sleepers did, did do pretty well. Matthias Schwab, T8 at minus nine, and Johnny Vegas, T18. So I don't know. It gives me hope that, that the metrics maybe do something because I'm, I'm even though I'm not a metrics guy, I'm going to roll with them here for my Augusta picks today. I was going to say, I'm, I'm shocked. You're not really, you're more of the feel player, get up and, and hit the ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then, then, you know, go and, and get on track, man. And, and practice. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just trying to dig deep for content here, but you know, I got to have something to talk about a, a couple, a couple notable miscuts in practice over here. Yeah. Yeah. Practice. Are we talking about practice? Um, a couple notable miscuts, Bryson, Mr. Augustus, a par 67, missed the cut. Um, Rory missed cut. He was the Vegas favorite going into the week. Um, and Charlie Hoffman, shot, I'm, I'm going to put him in here because uh, he missed the cut. He needed to win in order to be a perennial. He's a perennial first or second day leader at Augusta. And he's not going to be there with us this year. So it's not going to be death taxes and Charlie Hoffman on the leaderboard day one at Augusta. Um, so yeah, I don't know what to make of Rory and Bryson DeChambeau going into Augusta. I don't know. Bryson still has that, that hand wrist issue, the, the injury that he, he talked about. Um, I mean, all eyes are off all of those players right now with the, the influx of our Instagram and another news outlet with, yes. With the cat being back. Yeah. Well, that will come up later in the pod, Tiger. Um, here's an interesting stat, though, I saw today, just speaking of Rory, and he hasn't won a major for a while. Tiger and Phil have both won a major since the last time Rory, JT, or Spieth won a major, which is pretty crazy to think about. That is, that is, I've granted 2019, 2020, but yes, the relative age. It's crazy. Um, and we've got Charles Hall III coming back too. It is it is retro, retro week here. Yes. Masters week. Yeah, late nineties, early two thousands week. So you know the uh, the Valero. I don't know the Valero. You've probably seen on on my Instagram. Some of you that I posted. It's one of my five least favorite golf courses and whatever. The, the event does nothing for me. I don't know. Did it did it turn it around this year? Did you have appreciation for hitting greens and being precise with approach? approach no, shots no 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 i hardly watched any of it like i've watched a little <laughs> bit i'm like this 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 course sucks 
Um, let's go. Let's move on to Augusta. And before we talk about the Masters, we got to talk about the Augusta National Women's Am, the the Anwa, the Anwa, whatever you want to call it. And uh, Anna Davis, who uh, to me is the epitome of everything I want to be in a golfer out there. She was just Captain Cool. She's 16 years old, if you don't know. Um, she shot one under for the tournament, but she played the final round at Augusta. That's what they, they only play one round at Augusta. They play the first two at a different course uh, with a bucket hat, a windbreaker that was unzipped like fully for some shots, like and just strolling around, having a good time, living life, kicking ass. I love it. Your thoughts on the bucket hat, Tim? Well, I I know that we've talked about logos. Obviously, Jeff has the Break 80 logo, and we've talked about best logos here within the States, best logos public and private. Nationally, I think I finally figured out your logo. It is going to be a bucket hat, smoking a swisher. That's good, yeah. I, I like that idea. We're going to have to work on that. We got Kate Smith on later today, and she is a graphic designer. So maybe she can do something for me. I think it was the perfect tie-in. I think it's meant to be. It was a tough scene in Highland with the Swisher on, uh, on uh, Sunday because there was the, the snowflakes were so damn big. They kept, you couldn't hardly smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Everything went out. It was so wet and gross out there. But uh, anyway, yeah. So if you didn't pay attention, um, she's, she was awesome. She's a high school kid from California. She was behind to, uh, Latana Stone, who finished double bogey, bogey to lose. Um, and she had played up to that point like flawless golf. She was great. Um, which I, I was just thinking about this. I don't know if she's played in a U.S. like women's open, but if you watched it on TV when she was in the final group, pretty big crowd for maybe what she's used to for a college women's event or the, I mean, it had to be something to do with it. Like she was hitting in front of a lot of people compared to what she's used to. I don't know. Um, you know, it's a whole different animal than what pros do. Um, but yeah, she hit, she hit, she doubled 17, hit her 18 T shot, right. Had a pretty good punch shot short. And then, um, you know, it, it kind of rolls up and then it trickles back down a little bit. And then she had a little pitch that went probably, 10, 15 feet past the hole and missed, missed the putt that would have forced the playoff. Those are, those are two narrow holes too. There's been a, a lot of misses left on 17 throughout the years that have led to a lot of high scores and anyone yeah. that's had a, anyone that's watched or gosh, if anyone's walked the grounds at, at Augusta, number 18 is a shoot like no other you have to hit through. Yeah. If you later in the interview, uh, with Kate coming up here towards the end of the, of the pod, I asked her about that tee shot on 18. Uh, Cause if you remember speed hit the tree left when he could have birdied to shoot like 62 or something and win that year or tie. Um, and he hit that tree. A lot of people end up right. Um, Cause of those bunkers, but it's Kate says kind of like straight up a wall. You're hitting it's way uphill, way more than TV makes it look. Um, so that's interesting. The other person I wanted to, I wanted to talk about quickly before we get to the masters is Beatrice Walleen from Florida state, mainly for two reasons. She got like T fourth, but awesome attitude. Like the whole round she's, you know, that I watch, she's smiling, having a good time. And I'm thinking, you know, so 
who wouldn't be smiling? You're get you're playing Augusta the week before the Masters, so I mean it is as pristine as pristine gets, and you're just out there having a good time. So that was cool. Although I have to say, if you watch, she <laughs> she had a Florida, she golfs at Florida State, and she had a, I'm assuming they're a Nike school, so she had on the polo. But the back had this big ass Florida State Seminole logo. It took up the entire back, her whole back. It was crazy. I don't know what what Nike is thinking there with that. I don't know. Do you remember the uh, Nike um, Tommy Fleetwood polo from last year, two years ago, with all the stripes all over it? Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think they've thought right in a few years, other than the blade collars. Dear Nike. I know you're a Nike Bring guy. Bring back the blade collars. So this is a perfect segue. Speaking of Nike, this is a weird, this has been weird. This has been the weirdest thing I've seen in a while. Uh, so Tiger, Tiger Mania is back. People are tracking flights on the internet and he's coming to Augusta and he's practicing. So he shows up not with Nike, but with foot joys on. I, I don't get it. Any, any thoughts, any ideas what the hell is going on Tim? I honestly have no idea. And my entire closet is Nike golf shoes. So <laughs> I'm a little hurt. I think I own three pairs of Tiger Woods Nike golf shoes. Uh, I remember back to his iconic, what almost looked like he walked out in the slippers. Uh, I think is the best way to describe it. Huge bubble bottom shoes back in 2013, 2014. Uh, and have ever since worn very ridiculous looking shoes based on on his preferences uh, of the TW line. So to see him and what looked like the old Footjoy icons from back in the day, very classic, uh, wonderful looking shoes, two different pairs, white and black. Yeah. Uh, troublesome to my own collection. <laughs> yeah. He was wearing Footjoy premieres and you could, you can tell that by, he went just with, they, they make a few of those premieres in different, in different styles, but he went with straight black, straight white. And I don't know if he thought he was going to be able to trick people or what, but of course the internet caught on right away. And I, I mean, Mike, they caught a shoelace. They caught a shoelace at the hall yes. of fame being untied. They, yes. Everyone looks from, from what I could tell or what I can gather on like social media, you know, he hasn't played in whatever a while and Nike claimed they didn't have a new shoe for him, but I'm thinking he must have closets full of fucking shoes at home. Nike shoes. I don't get it. It's just, it's weird to me. Uh, he, everything shirt was Nike shirt was Nike. His other, it was everything else was normal. Um, you know, I don't know. I guess Footjoy becomes the biggest winner of the whole week. Footjoy has to. I guarantee you, I haven't looked. They have to be selling those shoes like crazy. The big question: Are we back to the style of of my generation that was beat up Footjoy icons, the classic saddle, white socks, Ooh, not all the way, ankle socks, white ankle socks, and uh, and some basketball shorts. Because that's what I used to practice in, uh, the epitome of style. It's possible. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like I like the foot trade classic look. I also wear a bunch of crazy Nikes too, but I have a little bit of a golf shoe addiction. Um, he he probably Tiger. So let's, let's talk Tiger. Probably wrapped up the uh, the uh, whatever the hell they call that bonus pay pip pip uh, on tour already in the and the very early part of the season, because I can't imagine anybody else is going to make more of a social media dent than this did. Good, goodness. No. And I think he probably already set the record for 
the patrons at the Masters before it even began, based on the crowd sizes of his, his Monday nine holes with Freddie Couples and, and JT out there. Yeah. You're talking 20 deep on some of the hillsides watching him it's in play great. today. And, and so we're, so Tim and I are recording this. It's 9.32 PM on Monday night and it still isn't official. If he's, you know, I think actually it's a, I believe it's official until he takes himself out. He's in the field currently. Um, but apparently he looked phenomenal today, hitting the ball and everything. Ball speeds were up. Everything looked good. So who knows? all this, all this tiger talk, it, you know, obviously we, we didn't think few months back that he would be here uh, you know six seven months back that he even played golf again and the conversation we had before jumping on was around phil mickelson and where on good god's earth is phil because yeah. um again 9 30 at night bryson DeChambeau came out today and said phil has gone black he's gone he's gone dead and that is absolutely shocking because i, I know that he didn't necessarily want to take away from the masters he didn't want to take away from the other players and and just the notoriety of the tournament but with tiger woods in the limelight very securely in the limelight i feel like now would be one of the best times to to kind of come back and reimmerse yourself in in the tour yeah i don't know what uh what the deal is i know phil the speculation is that besides the the saudi league stuff he's got some things going on in his personal life and all that i don't know um, who knows? I, I, yeah, I, I find it kind of crazy that, you know, being a multiple time winner that he wouldn't, I mean, I'm sure he could have showed up. Could he have shown up for the champions dinner if he wanted to? I'm sure he could have. I would assume so. And it's not even a PGA tour sanctioned event necessarily. It's governed by their own rules and, and regulations. Yeah. Uh, also did some poli- geopolitics with, with Mike and Tim, I suppose, did some <laughs> looking up on Saudi Arabia. What's kind of going on over there? What's happened? Uh, I, I think it's the Sheik. I believe it is new Sheik in charge of a few years ago. They offer AMC movie complexes now. They have an Indy 500 race. Ooh. They're attempting to bring in large uh, hotel giants into the area to spur tourism. So. It kind of goes along the lines of why they even have interest in yeah. in a golf league, um, because it's a part of the initiative of the the actual government over there to to normalize relationships with the West and yeah, Western bring exactly because for a long time we all know there's a couple of nice courses over there, uh, the courses in Dubai, the Trump course, but never quite understood until watching that video why there was such an initiative to to push the envelope on their own golf league. They, and, and that's they kind of, kind of what happened. And they don't have any, I haven't seen any players. I haven't, I have not seen a list of people who are going to play in these events yet. I haven't either. I so. just, the, just the course list, which again, it, it looked interesting. I thought the dates were appropriate, but hmm. had nothing, nothing yet. So before we get to our picks, what, what are we thinking for tiger here? Let's assume he plays. What are what is a realistic expectation? Ooh, what's the realistic? If Tiger plays, what's the realistic expectation on me working? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thursday, know, Tiger, Friday. Tiger, Tiger doesn't move the needle. Tiger is the needle. So, <laughs> um, you know, I all indications are he's hitting the ball great. 
I just yeah, don't. One, 178 ball speed when he gets after it right now. Chipping looked good. I we, guess. We did see this a little bit a couple years back, though, when things looked pretty good. He entered tournaments and then, and then missed cuts. So there, I'm, I'm watching the, the 2015 Masters. It's on my TV right now. And, and that was a Tiger age where he'd just kind of come back from back stuff um, or dealing through back stuff where things look pretty good. And then he had missed quite a few cuts. He'd fallen to a hundredth ranking in the world. It's just, it's really tough to know when someone's been in isolation and uh, you have no radar on them at all. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I guess to me, if he can, ha- I said this, I think last week or whatever too, if he can handle the walk, it's the one, you know, obviously there's a couple of courses on, on, you know, on tour, he could, he's played a bunch, but it's like one of the courses where he knows that place better than probably anybody in the field. He'll find a way to kind of maneuver his way around. I don't know. I don't know if anybody can, if anybody can not play forever and, and pull it off, it's him, but I don't, I, I'm not picking him anywhere. You know, I would be shocked if he's in, if he's in contention, it would be fucking awesome, but I would be shocked. I'd take him on a missed cut or I'd take him to, to make the cut. Make the cut. Yeah. I think there's enough knowledge of the course that, that he could certainly pull that off. And, and goodness, I, every, every camera would be on him for it, it the would. remainder of Saturday and Sunday. If he were to win, it would make 2019 look like pathetic after this last couple of years of just complete nothingness. Well, that would be tiger. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, let's move on to some of our, you know, when we get, this interview with Kate Smith um, coming up, who's played it. We're going to, I have some, and Jeff has some questions for her about the golf course. And um, she has been there. She's done that. She's played Augusta national. She has really good insight into uh, just the undulations and the slope and some of the shots. So uh, if you pay, if you keep listening, she'll go into some of that. Um, but let's talk picks here for this week. What everybody kind of, kind of likes doing for the masters is probably has to be the most bet on, golf event of the year probably um jeff had john rom to win and he's got we're going to do a win a winner and a sleeper he's got john rom to win and billy horschel as a sleeper uh what about you what do you got my first gripe about this is looking at the field there's not you've got to go way down the list to find a sleeper yeah uh, my burn hard longer even Bernhard Longer's in there. And I mean, he won the champions tour last year. So you never know. And I think he was in contention. He was in the top 10 there for a while, a few years back. My sleeper's uh, not really a sleeper either. Yeah. So uh, my, my to win right now is Cam Smith coming off an excellent players uh, coming off previous great course knowledge and a good finish uh, at the previous masters. Yeah. Uh, and coming off excellent short game stats, which really is, is what Augusta is about, is previous knowledge and, and an excellent short game. Um, and then my sleeper, quote-unquote, uh, is sleeper. Oh, gosh. You know, again, I, I just don't, I don't know if it's even considered a sleeper, but I would say Max Homa, again, someone that has – traversed older courses um classic architecture really well yeah um and someone that is finally gaining a little bit of course knowledge from augusta after finally getting invited 
uh, I believe last was last year, his first year uh, there. So a little bit more course knowledge going in. And again, someone that, that has demonstrated good, good putting. And, and I think he fits the classic mold that they talk about, hits it pretty long. Um, he's up there in, in greens and reg and some of those things, but it's a weirder deal. Cause you got Mike Weir and, and Zach Johnson and some of these other guys that don't necessarily fit the mold too. But um, anyway, uh, I will, man, I'm just not, I'm just not a statistics and metrics guy, but I, I, I got, I got a deep dive for you guys and, and bear with me here. I've had a few margaritas tonight. It's the NCAA championship game, but here's what we got. So in the last 10 years, all the winners have been in the top 25 in the world rankings. Even Tiger in 2019 was 12th. Uh, there's, o- there's only been three repeat winners in the history of the Masters. So you got, I'm throwing Hideki out, plus his current form. I think he's been hurt. Uh, I'm just going to throw him out. Who knows? 80% of the winners um, have played at least four times at the Masters. So there is a for sure course knowledge you know, thing with, with Augusta. We all know that. So that that eliminates a bunch of people uh and then we're then we're looking at some stats i got it down to like four greens and reg and scrambling uh are important but i'm gonna i'm gonna break it down to the two most important to me at augusta are par five scoring because i think everybody knows at augusta you can get the par fives you can you can go after it and you can go pretty low in the par fives and then the other one is three putt avoidance so cam smith was one of my guys you got him. So we'll cross him off the list. Cam Smith is right now on the PGA tour is second in par five scoring fifth in greens and regulation and 10th in three putt avoidance. And he also has a T2, a T5 and a T10 in his short career at Augusta. He's a good player for Augusta. He, you know, I think he's kind of, he's one of those gritty guys. He puts really well. He hits it far enough not to mention a sweet stash and a mullet, which fits in pretty well in Southern Georgia. <laughs> As, <laughs> you know, he's got to be a fan favorite. <laughs> it's, it's more of an Alabama, Mississippi thing. <laughs> Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. So uh, Jeff's guy, John Rahm also fits that mold. He's, he is uh, number one in greens and reg and he's T10 this year in par five scoring. So he also has top 10 at the last four years. Um he has not been playing great though. So that one will be interesting to me. Um, how John Rahm um, does, although I think Augusta is a little bit different than most courses because the players show up a little extra early and they go a week early or two weeks, you know, they, they get it kind of figured out as they go. So that leaves me with three guys here. Uh, Terrell Hatton, surprise, surprise. He's he meets all those things. He's 18th in the world. He is second in three-putt avoidance, and he's T8 in par five scoring, and he was tied for 18 last year. Um, Justin Thomas, who also meets all those all those things, but I'm going to pick Patrick Cantlay to win. That's my guy. Will he wear the mismatching all black just for you, Tim? Possibly. Possibly. God, I hope so. Uh. It's probably going to clash with the green jacket on Sunday. But um, – Patrick Cantley, he did miss the cut there last year. Um, but prior to that, 2020, he was T17, 2019, T9. So he has done he's done well there. He's number four on tour in three-putt avoidance, and he's the number one ranked player on tour in par five scoring this year. And he's 12th in scrambling. So 
you know, if we're going by metrics, which I don't know why the hell I do this stupid shit, but uh, you know, he's my guy and I'm going to pick Matt Fitzpatrick as my sleeper. I, I don't, that's, that's, that's pretty high rank sleeper, but he has made the cut the last six times. I, I would like to say um, Jordan Spieth has five top threes and a win in his eight starts. So say what you want to say about his form right now. Um, always a, always a horse when it comes to Augusta. I'd, I'd like to put in a real sleeper over, no. over here. Could be hot, could be a warm tournament this year. I haven't even looked at the weather. I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, but Harry Higgs, all for the personality. <laughs> yeah, he's in the field. Sure, but not, you know, and, and depending on what kind of master's pools everybody does and everybody does different ones, I, I will say this. I picked for years out of the very end of the list, if you go by like different tier of players, Freddie Couples used to be a shoe-in to make the cut every year. He, he, he had a crazy, you know, he's got a crazy record of making cuts. Um, I don't know. Do you, get, do you have it up on you right now there? He's, I don't know. He, he has, he's played, he's missed the cut only a few times, but in the last couple of years, it's, he's struggled a little more. So we're not going to have Freddie as our, as a deep, deep, deep sleeper anymore. But that is our um, master's picks. Any other thoughts on Augusta? We may, I, there was some posts on this a while back the masters throughout the ages, some of the best dressed. I, I still think it goes to Chichi Rodriguez and his caddy for his straw fedora, but who knows? We might have a little, uh, a little update on who is best in and worst dress coming yeah. out of the masters can, here this year. We can do that, but we're going to be watching. We're going to be watching you tour pros. We're going to be, we're going to be watching and judging. It's certainly the best fashion time for all the new releases. I think uh, Adidas came out with the waffle house edition I of their that. spike. So a uh, big fan of that. So is anyone from, from the South? Not that I am from Iowa close enough. I, I do have one more thing. This is a good question here. And, and you're, you're a huge merch guy at golf courses. So I got a buddy who's going down um, to Augusta. He's going to watch two, um, two rounds. I think he's going to be there Sunday and I can't remember the other day, my buddy Mitch. And um, we were just talking and bullshitting about, if you had, let's say, let's say your whole trip was like comped, you know, you got, you got down there for free and your hotel free. If you, if, if, the, if your main expense was the merchandise tent or merchandise store at Augusta, how much would you drop? Is it, uh, is it members only merch or is it just the, the masters? I think they only sell master stuff at the mm -hmm. masters. That changes the answer a lot. If it was, if it was members only merch, if I was there for, for the clubhouse merch itself, it would be, I mean, I'd make it back. It'd be, it'd be everything in my account that day. <laughs> I, uh, I'd, I'd liquidate it. But if, if there, I'd probably, I'd buy a lot of stuff for friends. Everyone would get something. It'd probably be, you know, $1,500. I would imagine. Yeah. I had it at least a thought, at least a grand. Yeah. You know, cause you're looking at 120 bucks a polo, Needlepoint belts are like 175, 200. You're buying stuff, people. But anyway, an interesting take on what it would, what it would, you'd spend. Um, one of these days, I'll get into. I know a few people that have played Augusta. I will get into uh, a few stories of that and what it took to get on there. But um, we got, we got one more thing here coming up on the program today, uh, and that is an interview we we taped with Kate Smith. Um, and she has played Augusta, like I said, but she is from Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. 
And before we get into the interview with her, I have to say two things. One, the audio on my end, I don't know what happened. Uh, it's, it's, it's shitty. Um, but thankfully I'll cut off some of it and, and just, just focus on Jeff and Kate. Don't try to focus on, on, on my crappy audio, but, um, a little bit of a little bit of a bio here on Kate. She's from Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Like I said, uh, in high school, she was a five-time Class AA state champion. So that would be uh, every year, but one that you can legally play. Uh, she was Miss Golf Minnesota in 2016, and then as she got older and some more Minnesota stuff, she was two-time Minnesota State Am champ 2017 and 2020, and she was the MGA Co-Player of the Year in 2020 as well. Uh, in college, she played at Nebraska. She is one of the best players in program history. She was first team all Big Ten in 2020 and 2021. She was a 2021 Golf Week third team all American. She was on the 2021 Palmer Cup at uh, Rich Harvest Farm, which I have played and it's brutally hard. Um, and she was the 2021 Big Ten Women's Golf Champion. And she shot a blistering final round 64 to uh, win the title. It's the second lowest round in Big Ten history uh, behind another Minnesotan, Sarah Burnham, who shot 63 in 2017. Um, and in that same event, she set an all-time Big Ten championship record with a 54-hole score of 207. So Kate can play. Uh, before she turned professional, she had climbed all the way to uh, 93rd in the world amateur rankings. And she will talk about how she got into the Augusta National Women's Amateur last year and all that. Now she is on the Epson Tour. I think last week she was T14, maybe if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the other thing that Kate has kind of become famous for is she also does graphic design. Um, so when she was in college, she would, uh, Tim will love this. She would take golf course logos, of course, as she played at and like redesign them into a more modern, but I think, I think her kind of thing is minimalistic logo. Um, and she, she kind of got some famous for this. She was on like LPGA website and she had some internet cred for this. So now she has started a design company called ground under repair. You can follow them on Instagram, their GUR design with Shane Bacon, who's a big, big name in the golf uh, industry. So Kate's got quite the resume. Um, so without further ado, here is our interview with Kate Smith. Kate, did you feel kind of like, uh, do you ever seen that where, where Phil Mickelson's on the tee and then they start reading off all Tiger Woods' accomplishments and he's like, <laughs> all right, come on now, like, let's get this end, let's get this over. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. It's uh, you never know what to say during it, but it's it's nice stuff, good memories for sure. I do have a question about the sixty-four. You know, I've never shot a score that low, but um, you just in the zone, just like, you know, you hear people say I didn't even know what I was shooting and all that stuff, or did you know kind of where you were at the whole time? Um, I think I it was a bit of a of both. Like I don't know, you start making birdies, and you're like, okay, I'm three or four. I would say once you get to like. Yeah, once you get past four, you're kind of like, this is great either way. So, um, and the fun part about some events, like that's the bigger tournament. So you start seeing like the cameras come to your group and you're like, okay, so like I must be leading or something. So this is great. The more the merrier now, like let's roll in some putts. So it was, it was a good time. Awesome. Someday, Mike, someday. 
someday. There's a few courses in Minnesota that are wide open. Let me spit all over the place. I might play hot. You never know. Courses for well, courses. That's yeah. right. Well, let's bring it back. Um, so Mike and I are both girl dads. Uh, we both have dumb daughters. Um, as we go back to the beginning, how did you get started, like, growing up in the sport? Um, you grew up in DL. What kind of fostered your love for uh, as you progressed into not only obviously a, a pretty good high school player, but one of the best to play um, in Nebraska as well? Yeah, I, I couldn't have traded my um, childhood for anything. It was great. Um, my parents owned a par three course. Um, they bought it when I was like three months old. Ironman golf course in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. So grew up there um, just playing around doing everything you know playing the par three course played the whole shorter longer we'd make par fours we'd make par fives out of it um so that was awesome and then you know Detroit Lakes being home of the Pine of Palm and I mean we had like seven or eight golf courses at one point in a town of like 10,000 people so we're we're golf crazy up there and um lots of junior clinics around and lots of great competition and I wouldn't trade like Minnesota junior PJ tournaments for everything. I mean, we, you'd go play a different course in Minnesota every day. And, you know, now I don't want to pay a green fee anywhere, but as a kid, you're paying, you know, $10 or something to go out and compete. So it was a great, great experience. It definitely helped me a lot. How did like, how did you, as you know, growing, how do they keep your interest in, I mean, they could buy, a golf course, but doesn't make you like really want to play. How did, how did they like keep your interest? Cause I have a daughter that's six and she likes golf, but I, you know, who knows next year what she'll like and what was it that kind of kept you playing? Yeah. Um, I'd say my brother helped out a lot. I had an older brother, so he kind of was like, all right, Kate, we're going to play. And I was like, I don't really want to walk or do any of that. Um, my mom always told me that golf had the cutest outfit outfit so it, that's um, it. she bought me a lot of skirts growing up a lot of you know pink hats um I, I'd play those those uh pink precept balls so I'd say bribery is a good start <laughs> oh yeah but you can't go wrong yeah. with that <laughs> but once like once you get to like eight nine years old and you get to um, play in tournaments that's where I started liking it I was like oh sweet I can you know compete with people maybe win a few trophies that's that's a good start as well. So like, when did you find out like that you might have something here? You know, like you said, you started playing tournaments at eight or nine. Is that kind of when you felt, eh, I'm actually pretty decent at this? Yeah, I had some, some talent there um, in Minnesota. We're able to join the high school team in seventh grade. Um, so I had a few good rounds as seventh grader. I know I shot 75 at some point. Um, so that was like, pretty cool and then I got fifth in state and I was like wow this is this is fun you know you get a medal and everything and um so yeah I've, I've always kind of been living in the present though um throughout everything so just one course at a time but it, it's definitely more fun the better you play I mean it's kind of what you guys are about too like there's nothing better than trying to break 90 trying to break 80 trying to break 75 I mean it's like a pretty motivating sport just based off score alone I can imagine the other girls at the ridges because you guys are playing the state tournament at the ridges, right? Yes. Oh, here comes Kate again. Here she comes. Yeah, we're all five for a second for the fifth straight year. <laughs> yeah, I promise I made friends, but <laughs> it sounds like as a seventh grader, you had zero scar tissue to worry about. You just out there, <laughs> just firing away. No worries yeah. in the world. 
Oh yeah. No, I think, I think eighth grade was the first time I won. I was like, I looked back, I was like, how did I do that? You know, I just didn't even think about it, but you know, the older you get, the more you, you think about those five, six footers or 10 footers coming That's in. That's crazy. Yeah. What about, um, as we kind of progress for a little bit, joining the big 10, um, a little bit about your college experience, you chose a school in the Midwest, Nebraska, obviously with that comes some challenges. You are, have to deal with winter. Um, do you think also, was that a disadvantage at all? I don't think so. Um, I think having like the seasons and being able to kind of step away from golf, like keeps your love for the game. Um, you know, always, always looking for green grass is kind of nice. Um, I always tell people that Nebraska was like, you know, moving like snowboarding for me, um, coming from Detroit lakes, like it was so much better weather and I cherish that. And I mean, the big 10 has been a great athletic conference and for golf, it's been super competitive, um, the last, you know, five to eight years. So I was, you know, benefited from having a ton of competition, you know, probably too much competition when I started, but I had to, I had to play it. I, I remember my freshman year, Sarah Burnham shot 63 and it was like 45 degrees and raining at big tens. And <laughs> I probably shot somewhere in the eighties and I was like, geez, like I will never be that good, but you know, so it gave me something to work for. And I had so many good role models in Minnesota that were in the big Ten as well. So it was, it was awesome. So speaking on that, I have a quick question for you. You know, Minnesota, you were pretty dominant. I don't even know. I'm sure up north in northern Minnesota, you won every meet you went to, basically. Um, is there is there a that is there like an eye opening? You get to college now, and and you're like, holy crap, all these players are really good. Uh, is there a moment or a? Or it's just like, wow, I'm gonna have to work really hard at this to get uh, to get going. So there's actual competition here. Yeah, um, I think college is an eye-opener I think USGA qualifiers were always an eye-opener you know like your USAM qualifier and it's in Minnesota or a US Open qualifier um I played my first US Open qualifier at Winsong and I thought that it was a different sport I mean it was so hard <laughs> and uh you know girls come in from other states and they they shoot a smooth you know couple 70s and you kind of thinking like are they playing the same course that I'm playing so um, I think at every level it's like that. And now on tour, it's the same thing. You know, you just, you look to your right and left and you're saying, okay, they're doing something that I'm not doing yet. So I need to get better. So that's, that's fun. It's challenging, but it, it's been fun. I have to ask this. Um, obviously, like you said, you had an awesome high school career. Was Minnesota recruiting you at all? Yes, I did visit Minnesota. Um, okay. Yeah, I think there was, I had another girl in my class that was pretty good too. And I mean, I think she was dying to be a gopher and maybe they, I don't know. I think we've had some coaching changes too. And, you know, I don't know. Sometimes it's just not the right fit. Exactly. And, I had, I had to ask. I just, I, yeah. I want to make sure they're at least recruiting you. That's no. Yeah. I looked at, I looked at um, Minnesota, um, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and um, you know, some places are home and some aren't. And I don't know. I was definitely looking to go south. So I think I, bet, I, 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 I blame <laughs> the Board of Regents. If they would have got going on an indoor practice facility earlier, we could have got we could have got Kate on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the competition in the Big Ten. It's like who's got the best hitting bays that are indoors? <laughs> you yeah. know, you go there at the time. We got a quick like 
Hey, a quick question like- there, Jeff. Um, Detroit Lakes Country Club. You played in the Pine Apollo Bunch growing up? I did. You had to be 16, so I had to wait for that. And then I tried to beat up on some boys, but it was tough. Yeah. I mean, I I started and there was five or six girls in the field. And then by the time I stopped playing, I think I was the only one. So yeah, it's a good field. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, U of M guys would go up there and NDSU players. So was it um, Tom Hoagie playing in that? Yep, Tom Ho, you played in that. Um, Eric Van Ruin played in it a couple of years. Okay. Amy Anderson, now Olsen, played in it. So it's it's got a rich history. Um, it's a really good course for that format. Uh, it's yeah. Pretty fun. Lots of birdies. Lots of birdies and lots of lots of alcohol intake. <laughs> yes, Not that's the sure. <laughs> um, I play in the I play in the Birchmont Bemidji. I don't play in um, play in the Palm, but I've been there a bunch. And I got to think those rounds must take forever with all the drivable par fours and far fives and stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes, it, it does. It's a game of patience for sure. Huh. Cool. What do you think, Jeff? We talk Augusta, but what everybody loves hearing about Augusta national. I think so. Get into it. Let's go. I, I think, I think this is a great time to talk with you, Kate, because everybody's just waiting to see the greenness of Augusta national. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys want to know? Let's get into it. Well, first of all, let's just talk about, you know, the tournament in general. How did you get in it? Um, you know, just kind of talk a little bit about the week, I guess, leading up to actually getting to play. And, uh, you know, you obviously had a really good first round, tough, tougher second round. But just what did you take from that experience and just the whole overall, overall week? Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great opportunity and I was kind of one of the last invites in. Um, so then, yeah, they pay for all your travel there, um, for you and a guest. And so it was my brother and I that got to go and, um, he grew up in Minnesota too and, and played college golf. So that was super special. And I mean, flying into Augusta airport, it like, it already looks like a golf clubhouse (laughs) at the airport. So, um, I, you know, I won't go through every detail, but there's some some cool uh cool stuff to it we got to have like a chairman's dinner before the um you know before the first round where fred ridley spoke and um we got to eat with some green coats so it was that was cool and then you know i think the first round i just was so happy to be at the event i want to do the best i can and you know all of a sudden at the end of the day they're like who the heck is this Kate Smith on the top of the leaderboard? <laughs> so, and, um, you know, for, for people that didn't, didn't keep up with it, it was very much like a Caddyshack moment. I kind of, I blacked out and I played very well on a really hard course. And then, you know, the clouds rolled in and the lightning struck and I'm like, no, you know, let me keep playing. So, um, unfortunately I missed the cut to compete at Augusta, but we still got to take a practice round and um I got a local caddy to play the round and uh, that was that was really great because they they had some good stories and um just to be able to kind of like have the course to ourselves and like it was our our grounds for a few days was um something else and also seeing the course without fans was um really interesting at least for one day and then I went and watched the final round when there was fans but yeah, I mean, I could go on about it, but that it was it was incredible and definitely set me up for a lot of new opportunities after. But um, yeah, definitely probably the best memory in my life to the date. So that uh, that opening round, you were four under through eleven when it got 
the delay of weather delay. Yeah. I, yep. I think if we've learned anything from TPC Sidegrass the last few weeks, you're a pro now. You blame the draw. It's all about, <laughs> yeah, it's right. all, it's all about the draw. You got the wrong side of the draw. <laughs> Absolutely. No, yeah. We, uh, we finished. It was about 80 degrees in the afternoon. And then I went out and I had to play the last like six holes and like 45 degree weather. And it was like the hardest holes on the course. So you're like, oh, shoot. Like, yeah, I, I, so every, whenever anybody comes up and they're like, wow, you played so well. I said, yeah, I, I played a really great 11 holes. And <laughs> the rest isn't much to talk about. So. I got your, name, got your name out there, though. That was cool. You were all over the, you were all over the internet and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a whirlwind. Well, let's talk Augusta. Let's talk. You got to play the practice round. Um, you know, part of the allure of Augusta is all the in- intricacies, you know, the things that people, the secrets that if you don't actually play, you don't know. They always mm-hmm. say that. Um, what was, as you walk through this, I'm, I'm sure you probably try to play pretty slow to be able to soak it all in, but what were some of the things that you, um, you know, remember just playing at the one time, just the, the things that stuck out? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously like how it's manicured is incredible. I mean, there's not like uh, a blade of grass out of place. Um, I'd say the bunkers are like way bigger than anybody would think. I mean, a lot of times you can't see out of them at all from those fairway bunkers. And I don't think on TV you can really get that. Um, yeah, it was kind of cool. Like it was right before the Masters we got to play. So the green speeds are pretty comparable. And the caddies are like, okay, do you see where it's starting to turn purple? Like that's where they want it at for the Masters. So um i mean the green speeds are incredibly fast and then you have so much undulation that just the combination of those two on the greens alone make it challenging but um i mean i don't know i i tell everybody like it's one thing being augusta national and i get that that's why the pros look forward to it but just as a golf course it's incredibly fun to play and demand a lot of creativity and a lot of different shots and I think Augusta does that. I mean, every shot you hit over, like you definitely haven't hit that shot today. And then the next, you know, the next hole you're going to have to hit a different shot. So you have to be, you have to have all the sticks in the bag. And uh, it was, yeah, I mean, I could, I could go on about it, but it was incredible. It's a really cool place and definitely a whole different feel when you're in there. Does the uh, people I've talked to that have been there to watch it said the, TV doesn't do it justice, just how sloped and, you know, the terrain, you know, you can't really tell on TV. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think some of the shots, I mean, that's just a huge factor in it. It's definitely like a hard course, but um, like nine, I hit a pretty good drive and I had five iron in, but your ball, the ball is way below your feet on this five iron and then the green slopes severely left to right. Um, and it's a pretty skinny green. So, I mean, over that shot, I'm like, I can hit a high cut, but with my spin rate, I don't even know how I'm going <laughs> to hold it on the green, which luckily I, I hit it on the green and I two-putted, but, um, you know, you don't, you don't have five irons where the ball is like, you know, a half a foot to a foot below your feet going into a green that's really hard to hit. So, and most of the courses like that, I mean, I'd say 18, you feel like you're hitting it into like a wall it's just straight up 
that was kind of one of my questions. Like, what, what did you find as one of the hardest tee shots? Just, I mean, cause they, they talk a lot about how you have to work the ball, you know, you have to, as a right-hander, you have to be able to draw it. Um, you gotta be able to hit the ball high. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, 17 and 14 are kind of tough. Um, just because they're like pretty tight and straight up the hill and, um, you know, you kind of want to hit a little bit of a draw, but if you take too much of it, then, you know, you catch yourself in the rough there. And so those ones kind of going up the hill 13, I just don't even know how they hit that. <laughs> I mean, it's such a large carry that like we couldn't really turn it over. It wasn't to our advantage. It was just, you know, hit it straight. And then, um, but I mean, you just have to hit it so far. Cause that one, it's like a NASCAR, you know, kind of track, like it's just so curved and turns so fast that, I mean, you're again, hitting it like into like a vertical wall. So I don't know. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's a really interesting hole that one is, but it's gorgeous. That was one of my questions about, I had written down just how hard do those guys that are like right-handers have to swing it right to left on that hole to make it, you know, go. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there's like, I mean, there's just nothing left. I mean, it's just trees and then the creek. So um, you can't really bail out much anywhere. You'll be be exposed pretty good on, on any of those goals on Amen Corner. That's true. Uh, <laughs> Once you're like feeling you just head straight into the pine straw and then rip one from behind the trees onto the green. Which isn't a bad idea because honestly that's where you get the flat lie. Because even yeah. you had a good drive and the ball's way above your feet into, you know, a green that has a creek in front of it and some bunkers around it. <laughs> it takes a lot of a lot of thought behind those shots. So I got a few more holes here. I'll get some questions for you that are that just from watching on TV. Eleven, the approach shot is supposedly one of the harder shots on the golf course because the water's left and it's a tiny green. Do you remember anything about that? That yeah, one? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you if you hit it on a certain part of the fairway too, you might have like ball above your feet and then you have that water left. Um, we played it like a front right pin, so it wasn't as treacherous, but I think you get that pin towards the back. And um, yeah, I mean, the water definitely comes into play. Um, and the tee shot, really, you don't really know where you're going on the tee shot either. So um, you got to, I think that's why they talk about how you need, you know, years to play well at the course. I think like Max almost talked about that, maybe Victor Hovland, but you don't really learn it quickly. Um, there's a lot of mistakes you have to make before you realize where everything is. Sure. For the listeners out there, this 11 is where Larry Mize chipped in in the 87 playoff. From about the spot that supposedly a lot of people just kind of bail to, short right is kind of the spot where a lot of people hit it to, and uh, and then of course uh, twelve, which in in recent years in the in the Masters has just perplexed the best uh, PGA Tour players in the world, and and I think the average golfer is sitting there at home looking at the shot like, what is so hard about this? You know, like look at this shot, it's like the easy shot, but I think the wind behind the trees kind of hides it. Uh, what do you think of that? What do you think of that hole? Yeah, I had seven iron into that hole, and, like, I agree where the tee box is. I mean, it's just gorgeous because it's all shaved off between 11 and 12, and so it's wide open where the tee box is. But then, yeah, that green kind of has the the bank of trees behind it. And, um, I mean, the thing with how everything's so closely mown is that you know that you don't have anywhere really to miss. And 
I mean, I hit it. I hit it on the fringe, and I two putted for par, so I felt pretty good about it. Um, you're you're aware. Yeah, I, w- I would say that area of the country, or I don't know how they build golf courses, but both the first course we played and Augusta. I mean, that the wind just swirls so bad in certain spots, and for a caddy or a player, you're you're making a lot of guesses, which is not what you want to do when you're in competition. <laughs> All right, on to another par three, the 16th here, home of Tiger's famous chip-in. That green that green is wild on the back, like, right, isn't it? Like, guys will putt with their back to the hole almost sometimes or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's what is weird about the course that probably won't happen at other golf courses is that, like, so many of the parts of the green are, like, unusable. I mean, the, the severity of the slopes where, like, you could actually cut a cup is – you know, 16, you only think of it in a couple different spots, like on top or down below. But yeah, it was, I mean, it's a pretty cool hole. They, they let all the girls uh, skip them across the pond during the practice nice. round and stuff. Nice. Like that. Awesome. So, That's yeah, cool. it, it, was, it was great. 16 seems like it's one of those ones where if they have a pin on the left, you know, you'd hate to get stuck on the top. And it's the opposite. If the pin's on the top, you hate to miss it left. And it's like some of those guys get that backwards and it's a difference between a two and a four. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it can be kind of an easy birdie hole if, if you get to get it to funnel down, but um, yeah. especially, I think there's such a difference. Like I played it in a practice round and some people get a chance to play it once in their life. So they, you know, trying to make a par, but I couldn't imagine, you know, the biggest major in the world coming in and, you know, you have an eight iron into a pretty just tricky green. Uh, you got to hit a, a shot, shot of your life, you know, coming in to hold a lead or something. And the margin of error to catch that slope is just so minute. If you're just a little bit right of it, then you're basically making a bogey almost. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, last year's, uh, I did, wasn't it Xander that kind of lost it on 16? Um, so. Yeah, but. Yeah, three-putter, yeah. Yeah, it can happen. It was a great spot for a Nike commercial. They didn't have to edit that chip in. Did the ball just stop perfectly? <laughs> yeah. Oh, many, many Tiger Master memories were uh, playing through my head when I was playing. So. Well, the last, the last one I have is the 18 tee shots. It just looks like a narrow shoot. And it has to be somewhat narrow because Spieth, Spieth in 2018 could have made par to shoot a 63 there. Remember that? He was on fire catching Patrick Reed. And he, he smoked the tree on the left and made bogey. So that, is that as narrow as it looks? It is pretty narrow. I think, yeah, the uphill is more of a factor than anything. Because, like, I don't know, it's just, like, not appealing to the eye because it's so uphill. Um, <laughs> and then you're, I think you're trying to get it far and kind of away from that left bunker. Um, but the bunker is kind of a catcher's mitt, you know, at, at the end of that fairway, so. I think it is pretty narrow, um, especially for the men. I think uh, that's probably the biggest difference, like, between the women's and the men's uh, events there now is that, you know, it's probably a little bit of a tougher driving course for them than it is for us. Maybe places get probably a little bit more narrow where they hit the ball rather than we do. What yardage did the the women play at? Um, I believe it was 64. Okay. Yeah. See, on 18, like, you know, t- 2019, Tiger hit his drive right. He wasn't in the woods or anything, but he still had to, because he wasn't quite past that corner, had to put that little cut swing shot on and kind of flailed one right. He did get up, you know, he didn't get up and down, but he just needed a bogey to win. But 
you could tell that he really needed a pipe one to get past that. So you, I mean, it's like, you yeah. can just take a little fairway finder and just kind of slap one out there. You gotta, you gotta rip at it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would say that. I mean, you could hit something shorter, but then you're on that upslope. I mean, all of us women were still like on the upslope. So I had, I don't know, I had like 160 and I might be played it 210 with a hybrid because oh, wow. like, I knew, I, you know, you're, you're playing it probably one to two clubs uphill just based on the elevation, but then also you're going to launch it higher. So I think they can kind of get to the plateau a little bit better, but yeah, you got to, you got to pipe one up there uh, just to have a flat lie. So it's a motivation in itself. What did you find was the, t like the, I mean, the craziest green, I, I hear a lot about 10, obviously 16. Um, yeah just, just the green when you get on it just wondering like how would you even two putt this two yeah. is crazy two is crazy I'm trying to think of the one back up the hill um I think it's uh is that 14 where it has a big slope um on the front of the green I think oh, it is a 14. In the back. yeah the whole yep. front of it is unusable like they just it's just a ton of green that just slopes straight down. I mean, ton, tons of false fronts. And I think, yeah, number um, three, the short par four, correct? Yep. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think that's that one was interesting because I think in recent years with Bryson being in the field, I think they've talked about like, okay, what about hitting driver closer? But the green is so hard to hold. It's so small and it all goes to the back that – I mean, you can have anything you want in like a pitching wedge or a nine iron or anything, and it's like impossible to hold in there. So a lot of those decisions are kind of fun to hear about now because you understand the challenge of it. That's awesome. I think that's, you know, the course was probably designed way back in the day when the, the you know, the stimp was who knows what. They're running a lot slower. They could probably use more of that, more like they did in Scotland. But now with modern green speeds, it's just almost impossible. Yeah, a lot of those courses, I mean, that they host majors on ESJ championships are just, they're changing so fast with the ball and, and the green speeds for sure. It's a different game. Awesome. Anything else from Augusta, Mike? No, that's about, uh, how was Magnolia Drive? Was it everything it's it's like on TV, on the, on the commercials? It was pretty cool. I had, uh, my dad was another one of my guests, so he got to, got to drive down it in his own car. So that was that's that was cool. pretty good yeah i think that was a good moment for him lots of guards everywhere for sure <laughs> so i can't sneak in there um tell us about that is it we went to some like cabin or was that other place on campus on the on mass at the augusta campus that you went yeah so right of pole five there's like a little sign that says like bp with a circle um around it and so we got driven by a van back there to another entrance but it's called berkman's place and like augusta national is the only tournament or the masters is the only tournament without like you know usually you can buy better tickets to get in the hospitality tents and stuff like that um but every ticket's the same with the masters so they had to figure out how to do like things for their sponsors or their you know celebrities or something so it's like back there it's a bunch of like restaurants and then they have replicas of um like tiny replicas of, of the greens so like I think they have 16 replicated um and maybe 11 back there and they're like really small with a bunch of like Scotty Cameron putter bags with a bunch of putters <laughs> so people can I mean it's just 
it's a little silly and it, they also have like a museum in there of like the history of Augusta National and so that was a pretty cool cool night um that they had us back there to kind of eat and see their new their new digs for all the the people that you know I'll never meet in my life that can afford going <laughs> back there <laughs> it's a good idea for the uh break 80 practice lab in the basement down there a little, 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 little green absolutely (laughs) i know um well let's let's talk a little bit of the epson tour and just kind of how things are are going you turn professional here you know i guess you could say quite recently but how are things currently at where you think your game's at things that you know adjustments that you've had to need to make as you are in the professional ranks now yeah um we're on week three so we started in florida um you know i went to q school last year i was like pretty happy with my status to be full status on the Epson tour it's it's kind of a good place to start it's the the corn fairy for the women and um yeah I played well the first week I was tied for 23rd so um like made a check and got to cover some of my expenses uh last week I missed the cut so that was kind of hard um played a course so we played a lot in college so you know you think you'll have a good week and then sometimes your game doesn't show up so I'm kind of learning like travel and how it affects your swing and how, I mean, I, I don't, we didn't play a lot of like three, four weeks in a row in college. So that's a whole new, um, whole new thing playing different grasses each week. So um, I'm making a couple adjustments in my swing. Um, I get a little bit upright, so I gotta, you know, remind myself to make a little bit better move at the ball. And um, so, yeah, it should be a good week. We start, we start this week on Friday and, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of learning and it's a lot of traveling. We'll be on the road about 22 weeks this year. So it's, uh, it'll be a big journey. When you say travel, is it like, is there like a swing? Is it like, uh, you know, you said you're in Florida and then you're now in California. Don't, don't they like, they just kind of move you all over or do they kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're, um, Florida was a one-off and then we're in a three week swing right now where we go Phoenix, California, and then Tucson. And then we'll go home for a week and then we'll do another swing. We'll do Utah, Kansas. So it is nice how they set it up that way that we can travel a little bit easier. So is it set up kind of like the corn free in terms of getting to the LPGA tour? Then there's some certain people get exempt, partially exempt and kind of some of that stuff, depending on where you finish at the end of the year. Yeah. So top 10 on the money list, they'll have full LPGA status next year. And then um, if you're like top 30, top 50, you'll go straight to stage three of Q school, which is where you can get your card. So it's kind of like you have two options to get to the LPGA. So it's, it's a pretty good spot. Um, trying not to worry about the money list too much, but you know, the more, the more cuts you make, I'm sure the better off you'll be. So trying to learn, get really want to get in contention early and try to figure out, you know, what I need to do and work hard at to be able to start kind of being in the mix more. Like, okay. So let's talk about your game. Like, what do you think is like one of your strengths, things that you can kind of hang your hat on? You know, I do this well, I know I do this well. And then what's an area or areas that you're kind of working on to get to that next level? Um, Typically like long irons and ball striking were my strengths in, well, I think still are, but I think in college that made a really big difference in my scores. Um, so really it's about like making more putts around taking it from you know 31 putts to 26 putts instead um that kind of makes a big difference um 
So that's kind of something I'm working on. Last week I hit like, I averaged like six or seven fairways. So that was where I just wasn't in a position to score. So um trying to, you know, get that figured out. But I think the more I can putt and chip better and really focus on my wedges, then I'll be able to score more. What, what, okay, so in the men's game, like length is this big issue. Like, you know, it's a big part of the men's game. Uh, it's been, you know, it's all over the internet and people doing this and that and obviously videos. Do you think that's kind of part of the women's game now too, or is that something that's kind of overblown? Um, see, the women's game is like much different than the men's game as far as like not all park fives can be reachable. So like that's where the wedges come in pretty um heavily i think we have a lot more long irons than the men comparatively i think some people on twitter like talk about that how you know we could shorten up our courses a little bit to make it more similar but um i think length is huge i don't think it's like the most important part um i think you know statistically if you go for a par five and two and you're you're closer to the green you're gonna do better um but like i i, th- I think it's probably just as important or more important in the women's game as far as like overall I think that's that's the difference between the girls that turn professional from college and the girls that don't I think it's really hard if you don't have the distance to take it to the next level unfortunately I wish it was uh less about it but um you know you just you can't hit hybrids into everything and score score well typically yeah (laughs) That, that going for it too is music to Mike's ears. Oh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> no way, no way, not here. Yeah, it's more fun that way. I agree. Yeah. Well, I anything else about Epson tour? I I mean, we're we're gonna be following you for sure because you know it's kind of fun to see. I know you know we played with actually you played with Betsy last or not played with her, but you maybe a practice round maybe played with her, but kind of following you too because you're both you know live, live going for that dream and trying to make it to LBPGA tour. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it's been nice to see her out there last week. That was great. And um, I don't know. I think we take a lot of pride in the Midwest of trying to make it and I'm going to do my best. And I've had a lot of support from like companies back home, uh, like Bell Bell Bank and um, KLN up there. And so it's nice to have people that, you know, want to see us do well. And, you know, I hope, I hope Betsy and I can, uh, crack the lineup a few times and um get some some good finishes this year so thanks thanks for the support we appreciate it absolutely but before we let you go we have to bring this up um we know you love golf we know you take that super serious but you actually have another passion and it's graphic design can you talk to us a little bit about the ground under repair business that you started with shane bacon Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, I got a graphic design degree in school. And then um, as a hobby, I kind of redesigned golf course logos in college, and it kind of took off. And then Shane picked it up. And he said, you know, I really think this could be a good business. And it's, it's a huge passion of his. So um, we kind of made a startup in August and got an LLC together and everything. So we're, we're legit. Um, It's been going really well we just did like our first um collab with western birch selling some merchandise so if you guys are looking for masters merch check it out Um, yeah so uh it's 
it's been really fun. And I think it allows me to not focus on the golf as much. I mean, I love it and I love all aspects of it, but you can't, uh, can't focus on your own game 24 seven, you'll go insane. So it's been a great, a great, uh, second job for me. I like, I like the idea. Cause you kind of got your name got out there, I think on Twitter. And I think it was even an LPGA tour article because you were redesigning logos of courses you played kind of, right? Yes, everyone except for Augusta. I skipped yeah, that one. That's good. Which, is a, which is a great idea. I'm a big logo guy. I love, I love you know, kind of classic, simple logos. But there are so many times I've gone to the golf course that I've sat there looking at the scorecard. I'm like, this is a really shitty logo. Like, what are they doing? Like, man. Like, shout out to the Wilds for you. You should hire Kate uh, because your logo is like, I don't even know. Like I said, it's like Harry Potter. Wiz- Wizard World says the Wilds. I don't even get it. I'm not even sure why they could do that one. But, um, yeah, I don't, yeah. There's a lot of really bad golf logos out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you want to have a, you have a great experience at a course. Maybe you shoot, like, your career best. You go in and. All the hats are ugly. Then what do you yeah. think, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was kind of my thing. If it can't look good on a hat, you know, maybe we need to adjust it a little bit. Um, so that, that's been fun. Well, give a shout out for what, uh, so that people can follow you. What's, what, you know, your Yeah, so it's and- gur.design um, on Instagram. And then our website is gurdesigns.com. Um, so yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of buddies trip logos. Um, we do do, uh, golf course redesigns and, um, pretty much anything you can think of golf related, uh, graphic design. So yeah, if anybody needs anything, hit us up and, um, look forward to it. That's awesome. awesome. Well, one of these days, Jeff, the short sighted needs a, short sighted still needs a logo, you know, it's gotta, be, <laughs> gotta be something, you know, in there. That's right. Yeah. Well, Kate, if it's Kate, a good logo, it. then you can sell merch. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we well thanks for having time. me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. We're looking forward to following you. So, cheers and uh, best right. luck this week. Yeah. Good luck yeah, here. Take Be care. Good. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye bye. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold G. Well, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.